Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Laricchia, and this is episode number 339 of the podcast. It's the 4th of January, 2023, as I record this intro. And welcome to 2023. I really do enjoy the fresh energy of a new year. In in this week's episode, Anna, Erica, and I dive deep into a listener question submitted by Jesse. Is unschooling a poor fit for folks who are introverted or neurodivergent in a way that makes socializing hard? I sometimes wonder if my daughter would do better in school, but unschooling sounds so much better. We really enjoyed diving into this. Thanks for the question, Jesse. And as always, our Q&A conversations aren't focused on giving anyone the quote right answer because there isn't one right answer. Instead, our focus is on exploring different aspects of the question and sharing what bubbles up for us through the lens of unschooling and cultivating strong and connected relationships. If you have a question you'd like us to dive into, follow the link in the show notes to submit it for a future Q&A episode. Or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash question. We'd love to hear from you. And if you don't want to wait until a future Q&A episode to explore your question, you are welcome to join Anna, Erica, and I, and a lovely group of thoughtful and supportive unschooling parents in the Living Joyfully Network. You can ask your question right away, and we'll help you explore its nuances as you choose the next steps on your unschooling journey. As we embrace the energy of a new year, it's a great time to remember our why, contemplate what we'd like to bring more of into our days, and focus on being intentional around whatever that is. And with that in mind, our theme in the network this month is being intentional, and we're exploring it through the lenses of curiosity and presence. What intentions are you bringing into the new year? If you'd like to be more intentional about your unschooling journey, Joining the Living Joyfully Network might be a great place to start. To learn more about the community and how we can support you on this powerful and often personal journey, follow the link in the show notes or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash network. We would love to welcome you. I also want to let you know that my episode on the Unschool Space podcast came out this week. The Unschool Space is hosted by Esther Jones, and you can find it wherever you're listening to this episode right now. (laughs) My episode is number 33, Living Joyfully and in Relationship with Our Children. I had so much fun speaking with Esther, and we had a wonderful conversation that I really think you'll enjoy. And last, but never, never least, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I so deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support is instrumental in keeping the podcast archive, audio, and transcripts freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support the show, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into Jesse's question. 
Welcome. I'm Pamela Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca and Anna Brown and Erica Ellis are joining me today to explore a listener question. Hi to you both. Hello. Hello. Now, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that our Q&A conversations aren't focused on giving anyone the quote right answer because there isn't a universal right answer for any situation that works for everyone. So basically, we're sharing food for thought through the lens of unschooling. And Erica, do you want to get us started? I do. So this question is from Jessie in Colorado, and she writes, My little is still a toddler, but I recently learned about unschooling, and I haven't been able to stop reading more and more. I'm currently delving into Pam's book, Free to Learn. There is one caution in the book that took me off guard and has me worried about whether I can unschool. Pam writes, one proviso though, unschooling won't work well if you actively avoid having your family interact with the world, with life. Shutting out the world rather than embracing it will limit your children's opportunities to learn, maybe to the point where school is more connected to the world than home is. Inhibiting their exploration of the world around them is not helpful or supportive of learning. I'm wondering if you could delve into what this means a little more and if unschooling is likely to be a poor fit for folks who are introverted or neurodivergent in a way that makes socializing hard. We certainly go on lots of adventures, hikes, parks, library, etc., and going out can be fun, but interacting with new people is exhausting. We have a small friend group, and I struggle to find the energy to engage with people and organizations that I don't know well in a way I'd want to model. The idea of reaching out and making a lot of new connections is overwhelming to the point that I do now wonder if my daughter would do better in school. I know that the socialization that happens in school isn't ideal, but I would like her to get to interact with lots of kids and adults, and I worry about my ability to provide that. I have considered sending her to tuition-free preschool just for the experience of interacting with others without me. Sudbury schools and other paid groups are not accessible to our family, both in terms of location and money, but unschooling sounds so much better. So, hi, Jesse, and thank you so much for your question. I'm really excited to hear Pam and Anna's responses, too. We're all introverts, so I know we all have a lot of experience <laughs> navigating this topic. Um, a lot of thoughts came up for me when I read your question. First is that personality difference that you mentioned. There are just so many ways to be a human. And for someone who is introverted or who is sensitive to sound or who is overwhelmed in busy places, being out all the time in active places surrounded by people is not going to feel good. But living in alignment with that is not the same thing as shutting out the world at all. My family is introverted, but we figure out what feels good for us, the frequency of outings, the number of friends, the places that we like to go. And the key for me is listening to my kids to determine if their needs are being met. I have a friend who is also introverted like me, but she has an extremely extroverted child. And so that can be more challenging in moments, but there is so much learning there. They're learning about each other's personality differences. She can push herself out of her comfort zone at times in order to meet his social needs. And she can communicate with him about her needs as well. 
And there are just so many possibilities for meeting his needs that can still feel good to her. School could be one of those possibilities, but there are also co-op classes and homeschool groups and park days, play dates at friends' houses, online gaming, spending time with extended family, having other people take him out to do activities, and so on. So rather than getting caught up in a kind of nebulous future fear of what if it's not good enough, that's that borrowing trouble, like Anna says. Yeah. But instead, we can ground ourselves in trusting that we will figure it out as the needs arise. In my experience, unschooling doesn't take away possibilities. It just gives us space and time to figure out what would feel good. And there are just endless possibilities if we stay open and curious. And your question kind of reminds me of a, we, a recent Q&A, too, where I was talking about staying in the present moment and focusing on the current needs of your child where they are right now, rather than getting pulled into worrying about the future. Over time, I found that future worry is really unnecessary because the most pressing needs are clear. They're the ones that are right in front of me. And my kids will let me know when things aren't enough or they're bored or they're needing something different. For example, Oliver will say, when's the next time we're going over to my friend's house? Or Maya will say, I feel like we're not going to enough places. <laughs> or I will ask, would you be interested in going to the homeschool park day this week? We just check in about what their social needs are and figure out the best way to meet those. And I bet it could be hard to imagine what it could look like while your child is still a toddler, but online gaming with friends has been such a powerful way to meet a lot of our social needs, mine included, because the kids are free to jump in more often when they need more interaction and then to pull back when they need more quiet time or solitary time. And it has just been so helpful. I mean, we've had some like months long phases of I don't need to be around friends at all. And then when they want it, they can jump back into that world. And it's it's just worked so well for us. And it can also be helpful to remember that you yourself don't have to be the one who solves all of the problems and meets all of the needs by yourself. Solutions can come from all kinds of places like play dates and day trips with other family members and friends. Maybe your child will become very interested in a certain activity like drama or martial arts that has kind of a built-in social circle for interaction. So there's plenty of time to see how it plays out and what her needs and interests will be. And I guess I would also add that socializing with a lot of people and being out exploring the world are two separate things and people will have differing yeah. needs and desires for each of those things. Um, I think the bottom line for me is if I'm listening to my kids' needs and bringing that yes energy, figuring out ways to meet those needs, then we're good. And their lives are not going to be nearly as full of people and activities as mine was when I was their age. But what we are doing is more aligned with their personalities and how they want to spend their time. I didn't have that option when I was growing up to find environments that fit with my personality. And so I think we're lucky in that way. Pam? Yeah. Oh, I love that so much, Erica. Thank you. <laughs> and yes, I do appreciate your question so much, Jesse. I, I love the, the opportunity to dive into this more. Because yeah, first, when I talk about interacting with the world when I was writing that for me it means so much more than physical in-person engagement 
in my mind, inhibiting their exploration of the world might look like like filtering or blocking their access to information or not actively helping them as they seek out information or experiences they're curious about. Just like Erica was saying, there are so many possibilities to do that. But when we're not open to that, open and curious and helping them do that, that's more what I was talking about um, for not interacting with the world. It was a more esoteric definition of world rather than (laughs) physical (laughs) face-to-face exploration (laughs) because, you know, none of that is is literally dependent on leaving the house, right? (laughs) So uh, for me, keeping their world small is definitely a separate thing from exploring and supporting all the ways and the frequency in which each person in the family wants to be out in public and interacting with other people, socializing. And that's the other piece that you'll find, as as Erica was mentioning as well, it's everybody's needs are taken into account. You know, the family example Erica shared where the mom's more of an introvert and child's more of an extrovert. Like, we can work with that. We can figure things out. We aren't the sole responsible person for this. Like, there are so many ways that we can pull things in. So it's really fun to get creative at that point. And yes, my family includes both strong introverts (laughs) and all sorts of neurodivergence. And it was so worth giving everyone the space to explore what that looks like for them. And also how the experience of that can change over time. You know, like you were saying, for months, it's like, this is all I need, you know, and then it's like, okay, I'm ready for a little bit more or a little bit more of this or less of this, et cetera. You know, and again, how we can stretch for exciting things. Sometimes we are happy to, you know, jump out of our comfort zone for a bit or kind of push on the edges of it because it. I found it was much more easy for me to stretch when it was in service of something that one of my kids was super interested in doing. And that was because I could focus on their joy, right? I didn't need to be seen all the other things that might be overwhelming I could focus on that piece and then we could also build in the recovery time and the relaxed time afterwards and again it was different depending on the child it was different depending on the activity where they were in the seasons of things but that level of self-awareness is just so valuable for everyone adults and kids alike and when we had that or we're you know we're able to pick up some of it along the way, we could bring that to the table as we figured out plans, figured out ways to move through things that worked for everyone. So in that way, I feel like unschooling is an absolutely wonderful lifestyle for introverted and neurodivergent families because each person is celebrated for who they are rather than trying to change them to fit into this more conventional box. So I did want to mention there are a few podcast episodes where we dive into unschooling and neurodivergence that I think you'll enjoy checking out. Episodes 120, 221, and 246. And we'll put the links in the show notes. Anna? (laughs) Okay. So obviously you guys had a lot of the points that, that brought up to me as soon as I was reading it and definitely identify with the question in terms of being an introvert. And it's not really easy for me to reach out to strangers don't love big, loud, crowded environments. Um, But what I found was it was so much easier to do those things in small doses when I was facilitating my children. Like you said, Pam, it's like when you're seeing your child light up about something, 
it's, you know, it's the best. So it really just makes it so much easier. And there's a connection that we have with our children. And that connection helps us find the ways to meet each other's needs, you know, even when it involves stretching our comfort zones a bit. I think the understanding that we had of each other just helped it flow because we knew we'd figure it out. So we could have this, okay, hmm, how are we going to do this? This part feels hard. This doesn't. Okay, we want to do this. They just had a trust in me. And I had a trust that they would also hear me, like my concerns and how I was feeling about it. And the piece, I think maybe you both mentioned it, but remembering that I don't have to meet all the needs as well. Like that helped me kind of ground into, okay, there's other resources available to help meet these needs, you know, and even if it wasn't something that, you know, David could do that maybe it's a grandparent or a friend or someone else. And so just being open, I found that those opportunities arose for them to be involved in all kinds of ways that I could not have predicted ahead of time. And in terms of the school, kindergarten, preschool thing that you were talking about, I really don't believe that toddlers need to be with other toddlers, you know, especially in a classroom environment, because there's really not enough facilitation. And it really isn't an interest for the toddler, like toddlers aren't interested, like that's not their interest, their interest is to explore. And at that age, you'll see a lot of parallel play and also a lot of upset because (laughs) toddlers are not so sure. Um, I think children want to be with their parents and learning about the world around them. And it sounds like you're already doing that, Jesse, like you all are already exploring the world. And I love Pam's point about the, the, that quote was not about necessarily physically exploring the world. I think it was just shining the light on we can limit our children in a lot of ways. And that limiting often happens at at home, not because of home, but because of not sharing certain resources or devaluing certain ways they want to explore things. And so, yeah, just kind of open up that idea of what we're talking about when we say exploring the world, because you'll find that you just learn and grow together. And, And I definitely wouldn't be borrowing trouble (laughs) about years down the road, you know, because I truly believe and have seen if we focus on the connection and the relationships, we're in the best place to solve all the problems that life throws at us. And so I just would look at your child. Are they happy? Are they enjoying life? Are they asking for something else? Are you both enjoying this time together? You know, things change really quickly. And at each point, you can pivot, make adjustments. That connection will be what helps you kind of tune in to who they are and what would help them do the things that they're interested in. That kind of reminded me too about like the, like, it's not a forever decision. Any decision isn't a forever decision. So there's no reason right now to decide whether unschooling will work forever or not, you know, like that it's not even important to think of that. That's a really good point too. Like these aren't, we don't need to decide now for, for forever. And I, I really liked your point, Anna, when you're mentioning like how things will bubble up, possibilities will bubble up and to not have, that happens more when we are in that open and yes. curious space, like not rather than in that smaller space where we're, you know, not, not scanning, not noticing the things. Right. right. And even, you know, it's not that we need to be in that space all the time, but you know, if our child is curious about something and we're not quite sure how we might meet that, 
we find so many possibilities when we just kind of pay attention and not literally have to leave the house to be paying attention to it. But I remember there were seasons where when the local paper showed up, I was reading that or I was going online just to see some things that were around us. Or if they had an interest in something, I would do some research on my own and I could find maybe a video that I could show them or like or a show or or we go to the library and get some books. You know, there are just so many possibilities and just being with them. I like I love the point of being with them and being in the moment right now, because this is what we can help with. And. When you're in the moment with them and, you know, noticing times when they're, they're, you know, maybe, I don't, the word bored comes to mind, but you, <laughs> oh, there's a whole conversation around that. Yeah, right. <laughs> what it does is, is we can help them in those moments. We can work together. It's not even so much helping us helping them as in we have to come up with a solution. Okay, you're bored. I'm going to here, here you go, do this thing. It's it's conversations, it's sitting with that. How are they feeling? Do they want to try something new? Are they like at those times maybe what they want is like comfort things. A show that they are very familiar with. You know, when they're feeling at odds and not sure what they want to do next. There are just so many different ways to go, but when we can be with them in the moment, we can learn so much about them, we can help them move through that moment. And when you're doing that, there's so much less chance that you're going to be blindsided by something coming up, right? That, oh my gosh, you know, not going to school was just a horrible choice because their whole world was too small. Yeah, it's it is much more of a mindset, much more of a way of engaging with your child and just helping them um, pursue and enjoy the things that they're interested in. Right. What that really brought to mind for me was when we get into this kind of thought process of way down the road, you know, it, it, it we're so out of the moment <laughs> that we really are missing the cues. We really are missing what's happening. And so once you get a little bit more time under your belt with your child, you'll see that as you stay connected, it's this gradual growth. You know, you're gradually growing together. You're learning more about each other and how you work well together and what works, you know, for how long and, and, you know, those type of things. And so then it just naturally unfolds and grows, but it's like, if you jump way ahead, you're just thinking, I can't do this, you know, and it's, it's this, but it's, it's really pulls you out of where the actual learning is about each other, which is in that moment, because that's all that we have. And so just watch for that, like, Hey, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm really sitting in my head and disconnecting from my child. Because as we always say, we've said on the podcast so many times, like when you start feeling that, just lean back in, lean back into the child in front of you. And then you see like, oh yeah, we're doing great. We're having a great time. Look at all that they've learned in the short two years that they've been on the earth. Right. And when you're thinking so far ahead, I feel like the only way to really do that is to be thinking of this kind of generic person (laughs) who's going to require these different things. And, you know, like a teenager is going to have this many friends and they will have learned these (laughs) things and gone to these places or whatever it is. And so that really is not about the the child at all and the individual. And so like focusing more on the excitement of learning who this person is and how cool that is. Like, 
everyone is so different. And so school doesn't make us think that everyone is so different. And I, and I right. think that's kind of a mindset shift to really realize how different every person is. And so when you have this very young child in front of you, who's kind of just starting life, like how fun and exciting is it to like, look at them and think like each thing that we do, I'm going to learn like, oh, they like that. They don't like that. Oh, this is really exciting for them. Who knew that they were going to be interested in that? And then that's where, you know, life just gets more and more fun. So much more fun. There was one yes. little thing also that bubbled up for me. And, and yeah, you meant, you were mentioning like leaning into your child, uh, Anna, and that reminded me there are, there will be seasons moving forward where you do the question does, am I doing enough? Right. This this is what this kind of feels like now as we dive yeah. into. Yeah. And so, you know, not to be afraid of that question, not to take that question as judgment is like, oh, I'm failing. I'm failing unschooling. I'm failing parenting. Am I doing enough for them? Um, but to use that as a reminder for me, that was often a reminder that, oh, I've kind of drifted away. I've kind of disconnected a little bit. Because I don't have this hands-on experience and connection that is always telling me I'm doing enough when I'm helping them do the things that they are interested in doing, right? It's yeah, that's just that's just such a valuable question, because people can use that as as such a judgment and beat themselves up over right. I'm so worried about this. But when you can use it as a cue, oh, you know what? Am I? Let's go see. <laughs> Let's go, Let's go see. Right. Let's go see. And I love your point too, Erica, just about like learning about this child, because I think we do often hold like generic child in our mind, <laughs> you know, and it's from our own experience or from how we are or from what we've seen on TV or whatever the thing might be. But when you really lean in, I mean, these kids are so unique. They have, I mean, I guarantee this child too at two has strong preferences and things that really light them up and things that they just want to keep following, whether it's trains or dogs or whatever the thing might be. And so just really being open about that and just getting excited about it, I think really leads the way. And like you said, Pam, then when those questions come up, you have, first of all, a background of like connection, and then you can go, okay, you know what? I do want to just lean in and see where are we now and what are they interested in now and how can I facilitate that now? And so I love just all of that thinking because the questions are going to come up, you know, it, they just do. They do. They really just do. <laughs> and when we cannot take those on as weight, but to take them on right. with curiosity, it leads us in so many super cool places. Yes. Thank you so much to both of you for joining me today. I super appreciate it. I very much appreciate your question, Jesse. That was lots of fun to dig into. If anyone hasn't read Free to Learn yet, there will be links in the show notes or just go to bookstory.com forward slash free to learn and you can pick it from your favorite online stores. And thank you so much, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.